It's an insert in your bulletin. If you would take that at this time, it's a declaration of beliefs. And I'd ask you to all stand together. And I'm going to lead us lead us all in this. We're going to we're going to all join together and declare these beliefs in unison. So uh, I'll give you all a minute here. Declaration of beliefs. Okay. We believe in one God, Creator of all things, holy, infinitely perfect, having limitless knowledge and sovereign power. We believe that God has spoken in the Scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, as the inspired Word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings and is the final authority for what we believe and for how we live. We believe that through the fall of the first man, human beings are sinners by nature and by choice, separated from God and under His judgment. Only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued, forgiven, and reconciled to our Creator. We believe Jesus Christ is God incarnate, fully God and fully man. He was conceived through the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life, was crucified, arose bodily from the dead, and then ascended into heaven. We believe that Jesus Christ shed His blood on the cross as the perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins. His atoning death and victorious resurrection constitute the only ground for salvation and the hope of eternal life. We believe that the true church is comprised of all who have been saved by God's grace through faith alone, in Christ alone. They are united in body of Christ, over which He is the head. We believe in the personal bodily, and glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world, assigning the unbelievers to eternal judgment and the believers to eternal blessedness and joy with the Lord. Amen. We believe. Thank you, Tim. If you would take your Bibles and uh, your study sheets, uh, they'll be helpful to follow along with as we uh, go through our study this morning. Well, let me just uh, pray again. Father, thank you uh, that you have revealed truth to us in your word. Thank you that uh, we can know what is true, what is your truth. And, uh, Father, I pray that today you would just remind us of how important it is to stand on those truths, especially in these days, to stand on those truths. So, Father, uh, encourage us, challenge us in the moments ahead. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, This week I read a book by uh, C.S. Lewis. I've read a few of C.S. Lewis's books, and some of you have as well. Uh, 
um, a great English writer, uh, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. So those are probably the most familiar to you, but a lot of other books as well. And uh, in the book I was uh, reading by him, I was reminded that he had one of those, uh, what would you call it, a dry English sense of humor. And uh, in one of the places he was talking about how he was trying to lose weight. And he was talking about how difficult that was to lose weight because he loved food. And, uh, well, this is what he said. He said, even thinking of food started salivation and the pain. And then he says, verily, he that but looketh on a plate of ham and eggs to lust after it hath already committed breakfast with it in his heart. Um, Despite writing so many great books, uh, C.S. Lewis was a very humble man, and he really didn't brag about his talent in writing, and uh, it didn't really go to his head. In fact, uh, somebody had written him and asked, about two books, Screwtape Letters and The Great Divorce, and had asked him what they would cost to purchase. And this was his reply. He says, I am afraid I have no idea what the first editions of Screwtape or The Divorce sell at. But you would be foolish to spend a cent more on them than the published prices. For they are scrubby little things on rotten paper. So he referred to his books. Uh, There's no bragging there. Um, Then he made this comment. One of the things that make it easier to believe in God's providence is the fact that in all trains, hotels, restaurants, and other public places, I have only once seen a stranger reading a book of mine. C.S. Lewis also said something that is on your study sheet that goes along with uh, what I want to talk about and have you think about this morning. Uh, He said this way back in 1929. When all is said about the divisions of Christendom, there remains by God's mercy an enormous common ground. And he goes on to say that what he means by this enormous common ground is what he called mere Christianity. And he wrote a book about that, right? Mere Christianity. But that's what he was referring to. Um, The word mere there means basic. It means simple and pure. The bottom line, mere. And he said, despite all the things that go on in Christendom among Christians, disagreements, even divisions and quarreling, there remains by the mercy of God this enormous common ground 
that he called mere Christianity. Basic Christianity. The major beliefs that unite us and that we can all agree on and hopefully stand on. And so we're going to talk about that uh, today. Uh, the Evangelical Free Church of America, if you've ever looked at uh, our statement of faith, uh, statement of what we believe, our major doctrines, included in that somewhere, uh, there will be this old um, statement that was spoken and written way back. But the Evangelical Free Church of America has grabbed onto it as part of uh, our philosophy. And it's there on your sheet. Uh, it says, in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, charity or love. In all things, Jesus Christ. Pretty good. In the essentials, unity. In those truths that are absolutely essential, major, to the Christian faith, unity. In the non-essentials, charity, love. In those other things that um, aren't necessarily major doctrines of the Christian faith. Uh, don't misunderstand the word non-essential there. It doesn't mean unimportant. It doesn't mean insignificant. It, it means more, you see, the essential doctrines of the Christian faith are the major doctrines that in some way are tied in or connected with salvation. And the non-essentials are important, they're significant, uh, they are truth in God's word, but they aren't necessarily connected with salvation. And so the statement says, in those essentials, those major doctrines that have a tie-in with salvation in some way, unity, we stand on those things, non-negotiable. On the other things, it's love. We're willing to study those things. We're willing to discuss those things. We're willing to learn those things from God's Word. We're even willing to disagree on those things, but in love. As we stand firmly together, united on the essentials. And then in all things, Jesus. Jesus Christ. So what I'm going to do today, this is a very simple message as we continue this series called One on uh, Unity. I'm going to take you to two scriptures and just briefly show you what they say. For some of you, remind you of what they say. And then we're going to come back for a little while to that declaration of beliefs that we uh, read together. So hang on to that sheet. And then I want to conclude with a warning and a challenge. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Start in 1 Timothy with me, please. 1 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat>
First Timothy chapter three. Timothy was a young pastor in Ephesus, that city. And uh, in chapter three, verse 15, Paul tells him why he's writing this letter to him. 3.15, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, <coughs> the pillar and foundation of the truth. <coughs> Some of your Bibles might, <coughs> might say the support of the truth, but it's a big statement about the church. The church is the pillar and support or foundation of the truth. And we can be pretty sure that Paul is talking about God's truth, the truth. And he's making this statement about the church, the church of the living God. And in the context of 1 Timothy, he must be talking about the local church because he says, I'm instructing you, Timothy, who's a pastor of a local church, about how you should conduct yourself in the church. So he's probably talking more local church than the universal church. But what he's saying is true of both. The, the universal church, the body of Christ, is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. The local church is to be the pillar and foundation of the truth. The embarrassed free church, working our way down, is to be the pillar and foundation, support of the truth. That's God's intention for his church, to be the pillar and support of the truth. And so as a church, like all churches, in order to be that, we need to be learning the truth from the scripture, studying it together, learning what that truth is, getting a handle on it, believing that truth, teaching that truth, sharing that truth with people, living that truth, because that's why we're here. That's what makes us different as a church, from any other organization on the Iron Range. We are the pillar, we are to be, the pillar and foundation of God's truth. That's why we're here. As I was taking a shower this morning, I grabbed my shampoo. And I noticed that it was Selsun Blue shampoo. That's what it's called, Selsun Blue. I also noticed that the bottle is blue. Makes sense, right? So I opened it and put some shampoo in my hand. Do you know what color the shampoo is? It's green. And I'm standing there in the shower thinking, thank you, God, you gave me an illustration. Why do they do that? That doesn't make sense. It's called Selsun Blue. 
The words on the bottle are Selsun blue. The entire bottle is blue. But what's inside is green. Go figure. And I was standing there thinking, that's like a lot of churches. You know that? We say we're blue. And all the things we have in writing, it states that we're blue. We say we believe in blue. We say that's what we're all about, blue. But there's so many churches that teach green. And they believe green. And they live green. You know what I'm saying? On the outside, it's all blue. But when you look at what's really going on, it's green. And that's the sad thing about the church today. Churches as a whole. God's intention was that his church, his churches, this church, be the pillar and support of his truth. Not just say we are. Not just put it on our website. Not just put it on an insert in a bulletin. Not just even read it out loud together but to be the pillar and support so that we teach God's truth and we believe God's truth and we live God's truth. If we're going to say we're blue, then we need to be blue through and through. Not say we're blue and what people get and hear and see is green. Uh, Another scripture that we need to be reminded of is uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now everybody's going to go buy some Selsun Blue and find out if I'm right here. See if it really is green. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to come back to this passage next week as we have our closing uh, study on this subject, but I just want to point out something about it for today's sake. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking about unity, and then he gives a list. And I want to point out to you that it's a pretty short list, right? But he says in verse 3, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, through the bond of peace. So he's talking about unity, and it must already be there because he says, keep it, preserve it, the unity. And then in verse 4, he gives a list of things that uh, form this unity that's supposed to be preserved. <clears throat> and there's seven things. It's a list of seven things, and each one starts with the word one. 
So he says in verse four, there is one body. So there's there's one body that all believers belong to one body of Christ. All right. One body. There's one spirit. One Holy Spirit. Who works, who indwells God's people. Who guides them, teaches them, empowers them. One spirit. Common to all. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, all of us as believers have one hope, one hope beyond this life, to be with Jesus forever. He goes on, verse 5, one Lord, there's one Jesus, one Jesus Christ, one Lord, the same Jesus Christ has saved each one of us. The same Jesus Christ died on Calvary for each one of us. The same Jesus Christ rose again. There's one Lord Jesus Christ. There's one faith. There's only one way to get into this body. One faith. There's one baptism. There's only one declaration of that faith. And of our salvation. And there's one God and Father of us all. One. One God and Father of us all. So Paul gives this list of seven ones. Seven very important things that we share in common. That unite us. And he says to the Christians, preserve that unity. Maintain that unity. Live it out. And when you think about it, that's a short list of uh, things that we have in common. There are a lot of other things we have in common. But it's like Paul is saying, here are the majors that unite us, that we have in common. Preserve it. These things unite us. Maintain it. Live it out. It's not that long of a list, but it's important, and it unites us. Preserve it. We'll talk more about that next week. Take your uh, declaration of belief that we read. The title of today's study is The Platform on Which We Stand. There, there's two ways of defining the word platform. Okay, there, There's a, a physical way of defining platform, and there's a figurative way. And we use them both. Okay, So first of all, if you look it up, Here's the definition, physically speaking, of a platform. It is a solid base upon which someone stands. Right? That's the platform. This is what we call a platform. It's a solid base on which we stand. Then there's a figurative definition of platform. And we actually hear it in politics more than anything else. But 
it's a broader definition than just that. In this definition, a platform is the statement that is given to present the beliefs of a group. Platform. You know, you have the Democratic platform, you have the Republican platform, you have the Green Party platform. Right. It's a platform. And what is this? It's, it's a statement of what a group believes, holds to. It's called a platform. It's what they stand on. It's what guides them. It's what unifies them as a group. And it's called their platform. And uh, some groups choose platforms that aren't very sturdy, that aren't very solid, including some churches. You see, the platform of a church in the sense of the statement of the major beliefs that they stand on firmly needs to be solid, as solid as God's truth that it's based on. But there are churches whose platform seems to be more like, uh, well, you can identify with this, a bouncy house. Okay? You ever been in a bouncy house? Okay? Um, I have a problem in bouncing houses. Uh, I go in there and I try to walk around and it's like, and then, you know, it's just up and down and, and you don't feel like you have solid footing and pretty soon you're falling over and it's just very unstable, right? These bouncy houses. And unfortunately, there are churches that have platforms that are more like a bouncy house than some kind of solid foundation that they can really stand on. And uh, our platform, like a lot of churches, I believe is solid. <laughs> it's not a long list. But it's made up of the essentials. Beliefs from Scripture that are somehow connected to salvation. And those beliefs become our platform, become our solid base upon which we stand. It's what we believe. It's what we teach. It's hopefully what we live. And so we talked about in our declaration, God. We believe in one God, the Creator. He exists. He's real. He's the creator. And he's holy. And he knows all. He has all power. And he's sovereign. He's faithful. And we go on and on. We believe in this one God, our creator. And it's that God who has provided what we call salvation. 
We believe in the scriptures. We believe that the Holy Scriptures, Old and New Testament, are the word of God. It's his revelation to us. So that we can learn about him. We can learn about his work. We can learn about his will. We can learn about his plan. We can learn about his principles for life. We believe the scriptures are God's word. And we believe that they are the final authority because they're God's word for what we believe and how we live. We believe that. And in the scriptures, God reveals to us how to experience what's called salvation. The salvation he has provided, he reveals to us in his word. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ was more than just a good man, a godly man, a prophet. We believe that Jesus Christ was God come in human flesh to live among us. We believe that he lived a perfect life here. We believe he went to the cross and took our place and that our sins were placed on him. And he was judged for our sins, that we might be forgiven and have a reconciled relationship with God, who is our creator. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe he rose again, that he's alive. We believe that he's very much alive right now in heaven. We believe that it's through Jesus that God's salvation can be experienced, and only through Jesus. We believe that God created man, but the first man disobeyed, committed sin, and fell out of fellowship with God, separated from God because of his sin. And that because that first man fell into sin, all have sinned and fallen short of God's standards and separated from God, deserving his judgment. We believe that all are sinners by nature. We come into this world as sinners, and very, very quickly we prove it by choice, that that's our nature. And that's why we need salvation. That's why salvation is needed, because of our condition. And we believe that salvation comes only through Jesus and his work on the cross and his death in our place and in his resurrection. And the only way we can experience forgiveness and a reconciled relationship with our creator is through repentance of that sin that separates us, seeking God's forgiveness because of what Jesus did, and surrendering our lives to Jesus, and that he is the only way to salvation. It's by God's grace through faith in Jesus because of what he did. We believe that this Jesus is coming back, that he will return. We believe that. And we believe that he's coming back 
And his coming back is tied in with salvation. Because when he comes back, from that point on, his people who have believed in him and experienced salvation will enjoy his presence, his very presence forever. And those who have rejected him and his salvation will be separated from him forever and judged. And we believe there's an eternity. There's eternity beyond this life. And what we have done with God's salvation will determine what our eternity experience will be like with Jesus or apart from him. Those are the things we believe. Those are the essentials. All of them in some way are tied in with salvation. Not just that they bring salvation, but somehow salvation is woven into those major beliefs. And on those beliefs, we are united. And on those beliefs, we stand. That's our platform on which we stand. And we stand on that platform united around those major beliefs that are so crucial. And as we do, in the light of that unity and in the light of loving one another, we learn about the other teachings of God. We discuss those other teachings in the Word of God. And yes, sometimes we disagree about those teachings. But we disagree in love. Because we are united around this platform, on this platform, of the major beliefs, mere Christianity. The enormous common ground that we share by the mercy of God that C.S. Lewis talked about. You see, it's those things that unite us. It's not where we grew up that unites us. We grew up in all kinds of places. It's not the kind of background or families we came from that unite us. It's not our race that unites us. It's not our political views that unite us. It's not our political party that unites us. It's not our views on vaccines that unites us. It's not whether you pass an offering plate or have a box in the back that unites us. It's not whether you go to movies or not that unites us. And I can go on and on and on about all the things that some churches add to the list to make the list look like this scroll. And there's no way that will produce unity. God has given us unity. And that platform that unites us are the seven ones of Ephesians 4 and the essential doctrines of mere Christianity that are connected with our salvation and are our common experience no matter how different we are.
And beyond that, we will learn, study, discuss, yes, even disagree in love. And in the context of this platform we stand on. Finally, a warning. And uh, it's written out for you there on your sheet. Here's the warning. A great danger with improper conflict over the non-essentials or extra-biblical issues. Extra-biblical means it's not even in the Bible anywhere. Okay? But it's issues that Christians disagree on. So a great danger with improper conflict over the non-essentials or extra-biblical issues is that the doctrinal essentials that we stand on can become hidden in all the drama. That's the danger. That we take the non-essentials, the things that are important, they're significant, they're taught in Scripture, but that we disagree on sometimes, and we take them and we make them such major things, and we... We violate loving practice of unity as we deal with our disagreements. We get so into the drama of that that these major truths that we stand on and hold in common, they get hidden. They're no longer the focus. They're no longer the guide. That's a danger that we need to be careful about, that all Christians need to be careful about. Um, Because it affects our witness. It affects our witness in this world. It affects our relationships. Because it takes our focus off that enormous short list that we hold in common that is so crucial. Mere Christianity, the basis, the basics of Christianity. Uh, First Corinthians, we'll wrap it up with this. First Corinthians, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and uh, they're kind of in a mess when he's writing. Uh, there are divisions and quarrels and all kinds of things going on in Corinth and Paul has to address it. And in chapter 1, He says in verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you, that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. But my brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? You see, the Corinthian church started majoring on something they shouldn't have been majoring on. And that was which teacher, which leader is the best that we should follow. And Paul says you're quarreling about it, and the result has been divisions. You turn to chapter 3, he gets pretty frank with them about this. 
Chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? You're acting like unbelievers, is what he's saying. You're acting like people of the world. And you're taking something that isn't really part of mere Christianity. It's not one of those major doctrines, one of those major truths that we stand on, that unites us. You're taking this idea of leaders and teachers and who's the best, and you're letting it become this drama in your church, and you're quarreling and you're dividing. If you go to Romans chapter 14, the Roman church was experiencing this too. Um, But in their church, the issues were things like what foods you should eat and not eat, and what special days you should observe or not observe. And there was disagreement in the church over those things. And some were judging others, and some were looking down on others, and it was just a mess. But it wasn't about any major doctrine. It wasn't about any of those major beliefs that, you know, make up Christianity and that we stand on. It was food, and it was special days, and they were arguing about it. And Paul says in verse 17, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing God and approved by men. Paul doesn't get into the quarreling. He says the way you're handling the disagreement is the problem. And you're getting away from what really matters, and that's the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is really all about. kingdom of God is not about food kingdom of God is not about certain days better than other days. The kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy. It's about things that are bigger than those issues. And they weren't dealing with those things in a loving way. And so, I think what we learn from Paul addressing these churches is that what unites us as Christians is bigger than some of those issues that they were disagreeing on and that were dividing them. And the way they were handling the disagreements was taking them away, taking their focus away from what was really important, the big things that united them. And there's nothing wrong with disagreeing on those things. But to disagree in such a way that the drama hid what was really important and took the place of what really unites the church. That was the issue. And so, as a church, I guess I what I learned from this is that we need to just be arm in arm Standing on the platform 
of the things that really matter, the big things that are the things that unite us. What we believe about God, the scriptures, Jesus Christ, salvation. And these other things that are directly connected to it, that's what we need to stand on. That's what unites us. One faith, one hope, one Lord, one spirit, one body, all the ones. That's what we stand on. That's what unites us. And I just encourage you to stand with us arm in arm on those things that unite us. And then as we stand arm in arm on those things that unite us, we can address all those other things in love. But to stand together on the platform that God has given us that unites us. For the sake of his glory, friends. For the sake of his glory. For the sake of the building up of his people. And for the sake of our witness in our communities. We need to stand arm in arm on what unites us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the one who created unity for us. And it's through Jesus, it's through your salvation and all the things we hold in common because of that, Father. Those are the things that unite us. And Father, may we be a church. May we be what you designed us to be. The pillar and support of the truth, your truth. And may we stand arm in arm on the platform of those major truths, the mere Christianity, the basics of Christian faith. And may we stand firmly on those things. And then in in love, Father, address all those other things. Help us to do that, Father, in a way that brings you glory, that builds up your people, And that gives us a witness in a world that needs that witness. Help us. In Christ's name, amen.